podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Video podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trav Denny, and this is Malby on the Spot, which is your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club. I said I wouldn't say that, and I'm after saying it again. There we go. Habit is a habit, Jan, and we'll keep with the one that we always keep with. Good evening, Jan. Yes, good evening, Trevor. I hope you're well. I'm good, man. I am good. And of course, we're all breathing a bit easier. We're all feeling a little bit happier in our in ourselves after uh, the win uh, last night. It's probably exactly where we should go to start talking because um, it, it was a remarkable kind of an outing for the Reds. A lot riding on it. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but in my mind, if it had been if it had been a defeat, um, season's looking very ropey all of a sudden. And I've invested a lot personally in the Champions League, being our way of rescuing it. Um, so it was a very very important win more than anything else. Before we get into any details of the match or the individuals, the significance of that. Did you get the feeling, here's the question directly, did you get the feeling it's it's another false dawn or are you happy that we may actually, we may be back onto something? Well, I guess if you call any win, uh, you know, a dawn, whether it's a false one or not. I mean, I thought the, the, the 9-0 against Bournemouth is different, isn't it? Because mm. in that moment you think, hey, hey, there's nothing wrong here, is there? Uh, but I think if you watch the way that we played, uh, it's a step in the right direction. I think for the first time for quite a while, you could see, I think, that Klopp had discussed with the players how he wants them to play. You know, this thing about, maybe not so much about <clears throat> reinventing themselves, but more about going back to basic. It looked like he'd had a word with them, how we're going to approach that. And the big thing for me was this thing about being compact, you know, being more together, uh, being well aware that, I mean, I actually are not world beaters. But they are quite capable of playing through the lines and playing in small areas, tight areas. And I think Klopp had made that aware to the players. Isn't it? So they were very aware. And we very rarely lost our concentration or our shape. Ajax found it really difficult to create many chances. Uh, obviously, they scored the goal and Daly didn't have a head in the second half. Beyond that, they don't create a, a, an awful lot. But I've got a feeling that Virgil Vidal came out and said that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of ex players are talking about Liverpool and, and, and they should know because we've all been through what they're going through at the moment and we, we have uh, we, we've all been there where you can't quite put your finger on it from a personal point of view you always think why, why can't I do what I normally do and how long will this last this and that's where they're at now isn't it? but in the end we got a goal 
which I thought was was just about this. Uh, I think we found it a little bit difficult, more difficult than we maybe anticipated. Great chances. Uh, so it's no surprise it came by our set piece because we were dominant uh, from set piece, especially in their penalty area. Yeah, absolutely fair. And I completely get the the reluctance to maybe hop on any train and say, well, everything's back on track now. I think that would be a silly thing to do. Probably the easiest jumping off point for us is to start in your neck of the woods, which is midfield, because it's no coincidence really that we have our maestro back in the team and things are starting to look a lot more coherent. Um, Some of the shortcomings that people were seeing and perhaps being excessively harsh towards Harvey Elliott about in relation to his defensive work that type of thing was to an extent uh, covered for by the presence of Thiago in midfield with Fabinho doing his thing as well. Um, so there was a better platform for us immediately. Now, I watched a clip, a, video, a sequence of video clips of Thiago's touches. I mean, yeah, it was a real masterclass of performance. And it may not have appeared that way at the start or even during the game. You could see he was playing well. But when you actually look at the quality of these passes, man, uh, when you look at the quality of it, his, this this real Thiago trademark of taking the ball close to an opposition player and then simply turning away, it looks simple. It's the least simple thing in the world. He's massive for us. He's, he's kind of too massive for us, isn't he? Because we don't have him. We're just not the same team. Yeah, and that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, mm. Because you do get the feeling that there's going to be spells again this season where we're going to be without him. Uh, there's still people that are trying to come to terms with what he brings to the team uh, in terms of, you know, he isn't an assist maker and he isn't a goal scorer. Uh, he's more of a rhythm man, isn't he? You know, he brings rhythm to the way that we play, which then allows other people to do what they do, which is assist and score goals. Uh, and I still think we're away away from that but you have to start somewhere isn't it and it's always good to get control I mean I've looked at the Napoli game again uh, and it's 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 a game that any pro footballer would have hated to play in uh, because there's no control uh, you don't know where your teammates are you have an expectation of where your teammates should be but they weren't and it, it was very uncomfortable to play football in that but I think with, with Thiago we, we managed to get control I thought we had control for almost all of the game and we also managed to get some kind of rhythm, although there is aspects of our game that is still nowhere near the, the standards and the, 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 the levels that they've set themselves. You know, we're not talking these players up to be something they're not. They've done it themselves, haven't they? They've produced over the years and we've gone, well, this is a level we expect from your boys, isn't it? Because we want to talk about our football club as one of the top two, three, four in the world. And that's what's required, isn't it? So we're still a way away from that. But having Thiago back is massive. And this thing you have about you know, getting close to opposition, knowing how to turn out out of trouble is, and always finding the right solution. It, it's a skill. There's, there's, there's a lot of things uh, to do with football, and most things you can you can teach people somewhere. And then there's just things you're born with, aren't you? And uh, his ability with almost eyes in the back of his head is something he's born with that ability, and it goes the same with with, with, with goal scorers and whatever else. Isn't it? It's, it's 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 just a rare rare trend because you don't see it in any. It is, a, it is a rare thing, and it's worth maybe dwelling on for a minute because it's part of what makes him special. Yes, he can whip those passes, 
and he has a very distinctive style when he's doing that and 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 uh sort of a classiness about about him as he as he strokes those passes but what you don't uh what 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 most people don't have is that happiness to take the ball in tight situations and then do something with it so again just because we have you and we can talk to you about it i'm trying to get maybe from you does i mean that's a thing that i always remember about how you would play you it, it didn't matter to you how close opposition players were you were happy to take the ball in and then recycle it or pass it forward or whatever but it's not everyone that's 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 happy to do that and even from my own limited sort of playing and coaching more actually the guy who the kid when you have a team and you've got a kid who's willing to take the ball in a congested area that's the kid who has a chance of making it that's the kid who's the chance of being a cut above everybody else what does that come down to Jan is it just confidence I mean you talk about goal scorers of a certain thing is it an instinct to me you have to have a level of confidence perhaps there that other players don't have in your ability to do that yeah I think it's probably a combination of what you just mentioned isn't it I mean, obviously, it starts with ability, and and, and then you've got to have that belief uh, to want to do it. I mean, you, you see it, you see more and more footballers in the professional game who are prepared to take a pass under pressure, but more often than not, they'll just give it straight back with a one-touch, like a wall passes and a bang in and out. In it, it's 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 not that we're talking about. We're talking about the guy who takes no. the ball in, we're talking about the guy who takes the ball in, and then allows even more opposition players to get even closer before he turns away from trouble. And then goes, here you are, Trent. The picture's in my head. Another two passes, and we're in the penalty box. And that's what Thiago does, isn't it? You know, he, he weighs up the situation while he's got the ball, while the opposition is closing in on. And he's going, I'm going to give this ball now to one of my teammates, who then, if he's good enough and he sees it, is one or two passes away from us being able to do something. And that's the big thing, isn't it? He's like the pre, pre, pre-pass. Uh, and, and for some people, it's not quite enough. Uh, but it is it is so important. It's 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 the same equivalent of the importance of the teams who insist on playing out from the back, isn't it? And why do you do that? Because we want to get into certain situations. And it's the same thing that why is it important that we have a player that takes the play the, the ball under pressure? Because we want to create some situations. We know exactly what those are. Hence is the reason when Barcelona came with that style with Savvy and, and, and Iniesta and whatever, they, they blew the opposition away, didn't they? Because nobody else played like that at that time, uh, and, and it's it's a very powerful thing, isn't it? But I guess, I mean, I've never been a goal scorer, so I don't quite know what it requires to, to be in there and score all those goals. But I, but I do know what it requires to be in midfield and taking on, on that responsibility, isn't it? And I guess a bit like myself, Thiago, I think he enjoys it. It's a bit like a goal scorer enjoying scoring goals, isn't it? I think you you get the same, you know, when they when they give it to you in a really tight spot, and, and you can hear the crowd, can't you? You know, I always used to laugh when the crowd shout, man on! And I'm kind of yeah. to say, I know, I know. I know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, he's exactly where I want him to be. If I can just get him a little bit closer, it'll be even better, you know. And that's without sounding big-headed, isn't it, Trevor? You know what I mean? But it is almost like that, isn't it? Man on, yeah, don't worry about it. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the point, lads. I know the man is on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, that phrase you use there, I've heard it from Peter Beardsley. Kenny Dalgleish, and it might have been either, I don't think I've interviewed Graeme Sunez, 
It was somebody else. Uh, it could have been Johnny Barnes, that picture of, that I, that's a phrase of having a picture in your head. Uh, I, I've always loved that phrase because it really does speak to a sort of a football game intelligence where you're not, it's like, it's like people say about chess players, you're, you're not just playing in the now, you're trying to think two passes ahead or at least one pass ahead. And that, that's what makes all the difference. You're so right about that. It, it, it really is an interesting aspect to it. Now, on the flip side of Thiago, I want to hop this story off you because that's if I can find the bloody thing now. I want to hop it off you because I, I it doesn't sit right with me. And I think it sounds like some sort of uh, clickbait, basically. Um, it's a lot of stories coming in now about uh, our late signing that we drafted in, uh, Arthur Mello. A lot of stories doing the rounds, especially in foreign press, it would seem. I know, I don't, to be honest, I don't know the, I don't trust most outlets. So wh whether this is a particularly bad one or not, but certainly in Tuto Mercato web, um, apparently the claim is being made that Klopp and his coaches are very underwhelmed by what they've seen in training from uh, Arthur Mello. Now, that to me has a sort of a whiff of bullshit off at Jan. I, 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 the, purely for the reason that I would imagine he was always somewhere on our list if he's one of the people that we decided to take or someone we had been looking at who has who ticks a number of boxes. So when when that poor kid came on to make his debut in an absolute shit show of performance, I felt sorry for him and he didn't do well. He looked a bit lost, but that's a horrible scenario to be coming into. So I think people are putting two and two together and getting 17 here uh, because we hear very positive things being said by people like Alison and other Brazilians talking highly about him. So, I mean, to me, that doesn't sound right at all. That It sounds like one of those stories that people are making up, like they're making up stories about Darwin Nunes. What would be your take on that Like as a, as a potential that, oh, all of a sudden, the coaches and Klopp are thinking this lad isn't what we want. Could that really even happen at this stage in the game? I mean, you used to talk about how you'd sign a fella. Fellas were signed maybe based on one or two scouting um, things or whatever, and they'd come and then maybe they would stink the place out. They weren't up to the job. But the the research of players now is so complete. It seems unbelievable to me. What do you think? I think the most unbelievable is that if things like that gets out, I mean, who leads that? If Klopp and his coaches have is underwhelmed, who do they talk to that about, uh, apart from themselves? And how would that get out? Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I, I work on most Liverpool games home and away, and I know how difficult it can be to have to, to get information. And if you're ever lucky enough to get any kind of information, it's always, you know, keep it on the ad, you know what I mean? You use it as something you might know without actually saying what you know is. And so I know how different right. it is. So I would find that, I would just find that bizarre. I would be, find that bizarre if there was a, there was a leak from the coaching staff or whoever else might know. Uh, it might have been somebody who might have seen or maybe even just based on his, on his little bit of a performance in, in, in Napoli, which would be grossly unfair. But I do think that Klopp would have expected something like the condition he's generally in the boy, isn't it? You know, because he hasn't played a lot of football 
Uh, and Klopp would have thought, well, okay, yeah, the first thing we need to do is get him up to speed physically, isn't it? And, and, and by that, I mean getting ready to play at the tempo that we play. I think Klopp would have fully expected that. Uh, the only problem for, for, for Arthur now is that we'll obviously get midfield players back, so it won't make it any easier for him uh, to get a bit of a run out. But it will enable us to have a look at him and to see whether it's something we want to pursue. Now, I kind of flagged up Darwin Nunes there because he's been at the centre of an awful lot of uh, nonsense talk today as well, Jan. Um, I call it nonsense talk. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe people have a point. But I, I don't think there's a sample size worth a damn yet to even begin to assess a player on. Uh, I, that would be my humble opinion. Um, and so when I see people writing him off, I find that kind of laughable. Um because again, for the same reason, the 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 extent of the research that Liverpool have done on this guy before committing such a large amount of money would mean that he's a wonderful footballer. As pointed out in other on other podcasts on on Anfield Index by other podcasters, Brighton did the same and were very very anxious to take him at one point, and they are a very very uh, statistics and analytics based. Uh, club in terms of the recruitment as well. So the idea that he's a duffer that we've signed to me is daft. However, it is fair to say that, you know, as you were watching him last night when he came on, it's not that he looked lumbering or anything like that or immobile. He looked a little bit skittish, a little bit out of control, a little bit, certainly his first few touches and passes and attempts to control the ball and runs were it seemed awkward. Uh, maybe a fella who was doing that trying too hard thing. That's a bit of a cliche, but you know what I mean. Um, but I thought he played his way into the game. And I was pretty pretty impressed with the way it finished out for him. He almost put one on a plate for Luis Diaz. It was just a, a touch from the keeper that stopped that. And he could have had a goal himself. He was heavily criticised for missing that opportunity, that lovely flowing move where the final pass comes from Mo Salah to him and he has to help it on and he kind of pulls it wide. Uh, you know, I, I think that might be a bit harsh to judge him on that as well. It's, Liverpool forwards are not exactly finding the net with great regularity, so to pick one lad out seems a bit harsh. A long-winded way of putting it to you that I'm wondering... When do you think we might start to see the Darwin Nunes that Jurgen Klopp wants? And do you wonder or worry, more to the point, that incorporating him into the team and into the side and the way we play may actually may actually be a real sort of teething process where we have a bit a few growing pains to endure before it clicks? What do you reckon? Well, I do think that it might take a bit of time. Uh, but I'm not overly concerned. And when I'm talking about when will we see the best of him, I don't know. But two things, three things they need to spring to mind, isn't it? He wants to run away from the ball, so he wants to stretch the play. That, in my book, is a good sign. He wants to be in a penalty area where he can score goals. He's got a real hunger to attack that near post, hasn't he? That's kind of his area. That's his DNA, isn't it? I attack the near post, isn't it? And also... The physical side of the English Premier League won't cause him any problems, you know. So I look at it like this, Trevor, that he comes across and he costs 
64 million with all sorts of add-ons. So that in itself for a 22-year-old boy is a big price tag. But he hits the ground running, doesn't he? The first two times we see him, we can't quite believe it, can we? Manchester City, in the community shield, everybody went, yes, I'm having him all day. He then comes on as a substitute against Fulham, and he has an unbelievable impact. Unbelievable impact at Fulham. Have a look at that again. I mean, he, he could have scored three goals and, and, and two assists himself. Unbelievably impact, isn't it? And then it starts to go wrong. The next game is then Crystal Palace, where he gets sent off. And then all of a sudden, he starts to doubt himself. He doubts his own temperament. He doubts his own ability. Uh, and then allows people to jump on his back. And then, of course, because we've got no players, we're now playing three games without him. Which, it's not always suspensions are that expensive, is it? You know, sometimes you kind of get away with it and he's out for a couple of games. But this was really expensive for us, wasn't it? Because we didn't have anyone else. And then he's got to try and get back into a team that's not playing well, you know. So all them things all of a sudden goes against him, isn't it? And now Jurgen Klopp is thinking. Last night Jurgen Klopp had one thought in his mind, and that is that our defensive work from the front, we've got to get that working again. And who does that the best? Shotter. And that's why Shotter plays last night. Because he can start that, give sickness to the midfield and then follow. Because if you look at the other two that play in our front two, without being, but Mo Salah is Mo Salah, isn't it? And he kind of does what he does. He's not one of those reliable ones in the press, is he? You know, he brings something else. And you've got Lewis Diaz, who's, 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 who's still very much an individual, isn't he? You know, so he had to put shots in to try and get that right, isn't it? So David Nunes misses out and then everybody goes, oh, well, he can't play the way we want to play. Yeah, of course he can, but he will take time. And he, David Nunes can't play up front in that number nine role when things around him or behind him is not functioning because he simply hasn't been here long enough to understand how, how mainly how we play without the ball. He would never have been at a club where there's so much emphasis on what do we do when we don't have the ball. So how long will it take? I don't know. What is Jurgen Klopp's short-term plan with him? Is it just to go back to what we thought at the start of the season, slowly introduce the ball into the way we want to play? But you almost couldn't, could you? After the City performance and after Fulham second half, you couldn't slowly introduce him. You had to let him go. You felt you had to let him go. And let's say where you can take it. And now we've seen that. We've seen what happened when we let him go, isn't it? So now we've got to rein it back in and now we've got to reintroduce him into it. Maybe he's spent a bit more time on the training ground with the work without the ball and also where we want him to be in, in situations to be to be uh, productive for us, isn't it, Bob? I think it's a bit too early, isn't it? You know, but the, the, the problem is, take bait, Trevor, you know, these, these poor reporters had to write stories every 20 minutes for, the, for, the, for, for, for websites and whatever, isn't it? You know what I mean, and sometimes you go, what can we come up with? Without losing, well, it's easy to say that David Nunes hasn't been a success because he probably hasn't. But he's only been here for two minutes, hasn't he? I mean, I'd have never been sitting here to you, Trevor, if they had to judge me after a month or three months or six months or even 12 months. You know, if I wasn't been given the time that they afforded me, there's no way I'd have been around in England to this very day, you know. So let's chill until there is clear proof that this boy can't play football. Let's take it easy until then. 100%. There's ample evidence in what we've seen so far that he could be really, really important and effective for us. And I suppose I'm, I'm curious as to what you make of 
there seemed to be a tweak. Obviously, when you have Thiago and, and, and Fab, you can have that sort of pivot in the middle with the two. And then we see we we saw Harvey Elliott in a more kind of central role, playing like a 10 off the front man, Jota, and then Mo and Diaz either side. So essentially like a four, two, three, one. And I kind of like it. I, I have to say, I thought it worked well. We created a lot of chances in that first half. I think if you add up all the chances overall, it was something like 20, 23, 24 attempts that we had at goal. We did a lot of shooting right down the goalkeeper's throat. Um, and he also made a few fantastic saves, to be fair to him. Um, so we were carving out opportunities. It looked a lot more like us, and yet it wasn't the way that we traditionally line up. Um, and obviously, if you're going to bring Nunes into it, and then you know we just made two changes to the front two and brought on Nunes and Bobby for for Jota and Harvey, so it was kept kept the same shape. I'm wondering what you think of that, because even if we were to get used to it, you know you know where I'm going with this. It, we can't rely on it because. An injury to Fab or or Thiago, we can't play that system because we don't have another player in that vein. So we'll have to go back to our three in the middle. Um, so I suppose what my my long winded point is like, how do we best accommodate this kid that we've bought up top if we're going to look to introduce him in the side? Is he going to be the focal point of the attack? Because I couldn't help but notice he did a lot of drifting to the left last night. Um, what do you think about that? Like, do, do you see Jurgen Klopp being the kind of fella who adjusts everything to 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 to, to build around a new arrival? I'm not sure I do. No, 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 neither do I. I mean, Klopp, Klopp has his own identity, you know, and, and that's reflected in the way that Mines played, in the way Dortmund played, in the way that we play. So we ain't going to go get go away from that. Now, I've never played in the four-two-three-one, but probably in football, it's my favorite system. But I do believe that you can only play that system. You can't play that with a, with, a, with a double pivot in terms of two number sixes because it doesn't work. Manchester United have tried that for a number of years with two sixes in there. It doesn't work. You can play it with a six and a playmaker. But we do have a six and a playmaker. Uh, but we only have a playmaker when he's available. And then what you do is you put somebody ahead of him in a number 10, which can then link the play. So it goes a bit back to when I used to play at Liverpool. We played 4-4-1-1. Four, four, one, one. We had that one guy in there who linked the play whether that was Kenny, whether that was Peter Beatty, and eventually Nigel Clough. And then that links the play into to Darwin Nunes. And I think that's what Klopp is thinking. That's the way we get the best from him, isn't it? You know, we, we, we play with the, with, with the two in there, a six and a playmaker, a ten in the hole. You, you saw that well that Bobby came on and played that role. And that's how we link the play into Darwin Nunes, who instantly, the way that we attempt a forward pass, that's not meant for him. He's already spun and he's on his way, isn't it? So we we, we got to recognise that. We, we don't ever take that away from a football player, Trevor. I work my nuts of, as a football manager in the lower leagues to get people to run away from the ball. Run away from the ball, please. Open up the play, yeah? Because I had midfield players that could pass. So I'm asking them to... And they, what, no, no. And they always used to run towards the ball. And I'm going, please, please, please. So don't ever take that out of a footballer. A footballer who wants to run in behind to stretch the play is a gift for any team. We just have to learn to play with him because we played for so many years with somebody who came towards the play, which was Bobby Firmino, and was better linked in play, not only central, but also by our wide then, isn't it? So I think that maybe is the way that we might be able to solve, to, to, to solve this. 
I look forward to seeing the problem solving process, to be honest with you. I mean, it's all, if we could just get consistent results, it could be very enjoyable thing to watch, uh, uh, evolve. Um, a word then just for the defense scenes, we've looked at all the departments. Um, it was encouraging to see Joel Matip and, uh, Virgil van Dijk looking so dominant, both in their defensive duties, uh, and also in their, ability to win uh, airily in on set pieces. Uh, Virgil just had the time of his life. He basically won everything. And then when it really mattered at the end, uh, Joel, who'd had a couple of ciders, uh, pops up with the one that we need. But I was very impressed with what they did defensively. And for the record, you'd have to say there were a couple of one-on-one situations where Trent, I thought, was very good defensively as well and immediately launched counter-attacks but the revelation really of the um, foursome across the back was Costa Simicus. Um, maybe it was because of the contrast where Andy Robbo has been quite underperforming. But I loved his performance last night, Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It was real gutsy, but he has enough class about him as well that when he's battling through something, he can come away with the ball in a very sort of uh, elegant way and do something with it. And he did have a lot of end product as well uh, in terms of uh, what he was putting over crosses and forward passes and linking the play. And his defensive work was spot on as well. That's a massive bonus to us. And it leaves you thinking that it might be no harm for Costas to get an extended run because that will only have one effect on a, a winner like uh, Andy Robertson, which is to up his game. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, Simica's one is, is is an amazing story because some six or seven years ago, he, he was playing in Denmark. And, uh, you know, everybody, when when they moved him on in Esberg, everybody thought he's, he's never going to be good enough. And here he is playing in, in, in one of the best club sides in the world. Uh, he brings real quality. But I thought for all the defenders uh, last night against Ajax, they did what the game required. None of them tried to force things. I think sometimes, because our two fullbacks have been so attack-minded over the years, they sometimes try and force situations that isn't there. And I thought last night nobody really forced anything. Trent went forward when the game allowed it, uh, but didn't go forward unnecessarily. And Simicus uh, didn't do that either. So I thought, I thought from, 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 from in terms of that, they did well. And also the two uh, centre-halves, again, did what the game allowed and bringing the ball out from the back. Uh, unless you said they were a real tested set piece. I was surprised that we didn't change that set piece a bit more just to, to hang him up, you know, at the far post and just to keep him alive for the centre half, just to head him back across or whatever, isn't it? We, we, we wasted too many in for, for, for my liking. But when we hung him up, you know, we, we, we kept him in their box and, uh, yeah, in the end, we, we got our rewards from the set piece. Have you ever seen a goalkeeper, uh, who is quite as productive with his kicking? As Alison Becker. I mean, I go back to again the the glory glory era where you were striding around the middle of the park for Liverpool, and obviously you guys had Brucey behind you. I think of fantastic keepers like Neville Southall, who were around at that time. Latter years, then the likes of David Seaman and all sorts of other fantastic goalkeepers across Europe, uh, Manuel Neuer and Oliver Kahn, his predecessor, people like that, but. Whereas they're all fantastic goalkeepers and shot stoppers and sweeper keepers and all that type of thing. 
which Ali has all of those traits. Uh, we're so lucky to have him. Um, his delivery is outrageous. And the reason I ask is I remember some story about Bruce Grobelar uh, not being able to take the pitch or go go to the field unless he had hit the light switch with the ball. And I presume he was kicking it from his hand. That's how the story was related to me. I think it was Ronnie Whelan was telling me this one. Um, so I remember Bruce's kicking style was like most goalkeepers at the time, just to launch kind of bombs, you know, it was like they were lofted as high up in the air as possible to get maximum distance, kind of like an old fashioned Gaelic football clearance. But the way Ali angles the ball, he's almost side coming at side on so he can direct it. That it's almost like a scissors kick. He's kicking through the ball to aim it like a, a really well hit volley pass uh, with a nice bit of angle and dip and all the rest of it. It's a it's a ridiculous skill. And I'm wondering, is that a newish thing in football? Do you remember a keeper who had delivery like that when you were playing? No, not when I was playing. Uh, and I can tell you, what old Bruce in those dressing rooms was a fucking nuisance with them light switches. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I used to sit there thinking, I reckon I could do that in about three goes. You know, 30, 30 minutes later, he's still at it. You know, if you go and please, come please. So it's a bit of a South American style. That Argentinian goalkeeper started with that kick. You know, he's doing, you know, like almost like a scissor kick through it, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, the first thing it requires is the ability to see this pass, or if I can do this now, isn't it? it'll be beneficial, effective for us, isn't it? And I think that's where his real strength is, isn't it? He recognises those situations. Because often he has the ball where you hear the crowd going, whoa, but he's weighing up thinking, no, the opposition's our favourites. So he only, he only does it when he's either a 50-50 race or we're favourites to win it, isn't it? But yeah, he does have incredible. So no, there was none of that in our day. I mean, we used to play against certain goalkeepers and they would say before we go out, because they would take all the goal kicks off the floor and they would say, this keeper can't kick. So you'd squeeze right up, squeeze right up to the halfway line, you know, because you can't kick. I, well, obviously, everybody can kick out uh, out their hands. And as you rightly said, they just used to kick them up in the air, didn't they? It was like a bomb dropping from from above, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but, but yeah, now, it, it is remarkable. I mean, Trevor, next time you go and see what's a Premier League game, what's the three goalkeepers that every team has out on the pitch before warming up? And when two of them on, on the halfway line, uh, either side and the goalkeeper and the goal and they're just pinging balls to each other <laughs> you know it is remarkable with two feet you know it must have took hours and hours and hours of practice to be able to get to that level and it's a real weapon in the arsenal of a team you know it, it really really is and when you've got people who are rapid on the flanks and have good control like a Diaz like Sadio Mane used to have like Mo Salah does it's weapon. Uh, it's 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 one that we we have exploited really well. Uh, just to finish up on last night's game, then it was a deserved win. I think we've both sort of said the, something along those lines. Uh, a massively important one because the reality now is football stops for the club uh, for quite some time, um, and. I wonder what your feelings are about whether that's a good or a bad thing, because I guess it would be probably probably 
net net it would be a good thing if Jurgen was able to work with its players but obviously this is an international break so he's not and the Chelsea game is called off because of all the uh, you know funeral uh, stuff going on um so I'm wondering is it a good or a bad thing Jan that we have this break now uh what's your what's your thoughts on that I don't necessarily think it's a good thing uh, I assume with the game having been on a Tuesday and most players due to go away on international level, they would have probably released most of them already and told them to go and have a couple of days uh, with, with their family before they fly with international. Uh, my only, my biggest concern is that when we come back, we play Brighton. Uh, and I always think that you need a bit of time to prepare for Brighton because of the way they play. Uh, so I, I, I can't sit here and go, this is a good thing. You will see miracles when football return. We'll be able to do A, B and C. We would have found our legs again. We would have found our energy, our aggression. I can't guarantee that. Uh, but we did say when we did the last show, Trevor, that we thought that the couple of games, obviously the Wolves game was, was, was postponed, but also this Ajax game, we thought it would go like it did against Ajax, that it would be gritty, but that in the end, we would just about be able to get there. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if when we return, uh, against Brighton that we might have to enjoy a bit more of that same sort of being gritty, being organised, just play to what the game uh, requires, isn't it? Uh, but then, of course, pretty quickly after, we need to find some real form, don't we? You know, for the likes of Arsenal and Manchester City and whoever else is is is, is coming to play us, isn't it? But I, I, I really don't know. You know, as a player, and you're having a spell, and we've all had them spells, you go two, three, four games without winning, uh, and only you know if you want to play again or if you want to rest, isn't it? You can't ever say it, but only you know. You know, sometimes you come home after the game, you've gone, when do we play again? We play Tuesday and you go, fuck, that's the last thing I need. Because you know yourself, you know yourself, this is about, about to turn, is it? Or other times, you can have a bad game and then you go, I want to play tomorrow because I know that that was a one-off. So I don't quite know where we're at at this moment. And I don't think Klopp knows where he's at with the players either. Only the players individual will know how they feel and and when they actually want to play again. People always assume that you want to play as quick as you can to right the wrongs. That is not the case, Trevor. Sometimes you sit at home where you lie in bed and you go, if I never have to play again, that would suit me right now. But of course, that's, <laughs> that's not an option, is it? But, but sometimes you do think that and you go, I'm going to hide my boots, you know, put the Patricks away. But, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's never quite works like that. <laughs> yeah, for the record, I actually had a pair of Jan Mulvey Patricks. Uh, I don't think I've ever told you that. Uh, <laughs> so I... Uh, they were cheap, I, Trevor. I, cheap, cheap. Nothing wrong with cheap boots. Uh, yeah, but yeah, good ones though. Uh, and I did the I did the whole old-fashioned thing that lads used to do back in, back in the day where you... Put a, you put them on, you sit in a, put them in a basin of water. You remember that thing? So the, the thoughts was that it would mold around your foot. I don't know if that was bollocks or not, but I did it anyway. Uh, I think it I, was bollocks. I think it was bollocks too. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really, it didn't really mold no, when it was open. <laughs> uh, yeah, you mentioned Brighton being our next game. And of course, then you mentioned the fact that it's nice to be able to prepare for the way that Brighton play. But I guess maybe they'll play in a whole different way uh, because obviously they've lost their gaffer 
uh, Graham Potter, who's gone to Chelsea. And I want to speak about Chelsea in a minute uh, and what's going on there and Thomas Tuchel and all the rest of it. We'll just leave Graham and Chelsea and Thomas and uh, Todd Bowley there for one second. And we'll look back at Brighton. And I'm curious to see what you make of this because I just have the Paddy Power website open here, right? I know you like a flutter. And there's uh, a couple of candidates here. And the favorite for the job currently is a guy called Kettle Knutson, who oh, yeah. is, uh, I guess, a Norwegian lad. He, is, uh, yeah. he did well, at, at apparently, at Bodo Glimt, uh, brought the club into Europe. Um, and he has also been pressed since. So he, I guess, is the favorite at the moment. Um, Paddy Power referred to him as the hipster's choice. Another guy who is uh, uh, 12 to 1, he, Kettle Knudsen is 3 to 1. 12 to 1 is Roberto De Zerbi. Um, he is obviously uh, doing his business in Syria. He did very well with Sassuolo there. Um, I think he got them to eighth a couple of times. Uh, and was also at Palermo at one stage as well, and Shakhtar Donetsk, I think, uh, I read earlier on. Steve Cooper is the next uh, car- ca- candidate at 11-2. to two. Um, He's obviously with Nottingham Forest now, so I don't really understand how he could be that high on the, on the list. Uh, Frank Hayes, um, who, I, who I, I honestly don't know. He's apparently in charge of uh, uh, French club uh, Lance. Uh, he guided them into league uh, in 2020 uh, and got the job full-time after that. Um, and they're only just, I think, two points off PSG, it says here, at the top of the league. So that's pretty impressive. And then Bo Svensson uh, is 6-1. to one. Um, he again is at Mainz at the moment, uh, the Jurgen Klopp's old club and Thomas Tuchel's old club, um, and got them, I think, to eighth in the table at one point. And Brendan Rogers then is at 22 1. I think we'll stop it there because the current Celtic manager, um, Postacoglu and the likes of Felice Matsu and other people like that. But we'll stop it here with Brendan Rogers. Uh, I, I, the reason I'm mentioning Brendan and stopping there is at 20 to 1, that's a big shout. Uh, but things aren't looking too rosy for him where he is, and he might fancy a change. Whether that would be a, 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 the kind of career move Brendan would want to make for Brendan's uh, notions of himself is another thing. Of those names, what, what do you reckon? What, what's the most brightening thing to do there? The most brightening thing to do is to get one of those relatively unknowns who's made yeah. a really good impression that then they can they can further uh, enhance their reputation. Uh, to take Graham Potter from Swansea, where... He hadn't set the world alight at Swansea, but to take him because they'd seen things, they'd heard things, I thought was a really, really good spot. And I think that's what they're trying to do again. I mean, Tony Bloom, you know, is a really analytic uh, guy and, and he would be looking at all these things. Uh, where they go, I mean, all of them is a gamble. But so was Graham Potter. I mean, Graham Potter came from having managed for a number of years in Sweden, done really well to go to Swansea and, and, and do okay. And then all of a sudden he's in the Premier League. So. This will be a similar gamble, I feel. Uh, I have a feeling that they will stay sort of up towards the north. I think they're more likely to go for a Bo Svensson, who's a Dane, 
or ketchup Knudsen, who is a Norwegian, uh, instead of maybe going and picking somebody out of Italy. I think they're more likely to to go for that different type. Or maybe even the French boy, to be fair, Valence, who's done really, really well. Uh, but it's it's one to keep an eye out for, isn't it? And then, of course, there's a there's sort of a natural link with the boy who's the manager, Luton, Nathan Jones, who used to play for Brighton and whatever, and Steve Cooper, like you mentioned, who I guess will have a release clause at, at Nottingham Forest, isn't it? But I'm not convinced they're attractive to, uh, to, to, to Brighton. I think it'd be one of those younger coaches uh, that's done really well. Uh, who? The boy Knudsen at, at Bodo Glimt has been linked to a few jobs and, and not managed to nail one as of yet. They play some really exciting football. That is a high-energy team. Uh, playing right up in the north of, of Norway. But whether they just think that that step up, because don't forget, I said before, Graham Potter, Sweden, but to Swansea, he did that step in between, didn't he? Bodo Glimp into the Premier League. Maybe that step is just too big. Maybe it's time for another Danish manager in the Premier League. Bo Svensson, maybe it's him. Maybe it's his turn. Well, I, as you say, it's going to be a really interesting one, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens as a result of them arriving. If uh, how the, the 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 setup changes there, you would imagine that by the time we are playing them, they'll have whatever they have in situ. But I don't know. A new manager comes in and changes things too dramatically in his first game or two. I think he kind of has to go with a certain amount of status quo. So we can probably expect to see some sort of iteration of the Brighton that we've seen uh, for a while, at least for the first couple of games. Now you talk about making a step up. I read today a really strange little fact that apparently Graham Potter has never even been to see a Champions League game. And now here he is with Chelsea finding himself, uh, you know, uh, leading a team out in this uh, competition, a team who has won the bloody trophy very recently as well. Um, under Thomas Tuchel, uh, and it, it, I think a lot of people have great curiosity as to what it is that Chelsea have seen in him. Some people, I think, struggled even to understand quite what the fuss was about Graham Potter um, and why on earth he might be a suitable candidate there at Chelsea. Um, I'm really interested to hear your take on this. But before we go to Graham, maybe we should start with the man who got uh, handed his walking papers. Uh, I saw a statement from Tuchel afterwards where there was no recrimination. I don't think there was any personal reasons for him wanting to go. It seems to have been a falling out uh, that they, the club and himself just decided not to mention, uh, probably as part of their agreement or severance package or whatever. Uh, it's a weird one because he seemed to be highly respected by fans and at least the majority of the playing staff. Maybe he had a few falling outs there, but I guess that's natural. It's it's It was a weird move, Jan. I'm wondering what you think is going on there because I'm very interested in this character, Todd Bowley, who's <laughs> making these these wild suggest did you hear the suggestion about the north versus south kind of super league game one off to based on something that they do in major league baseball uh i heard it and it's not to be dismissive but it just sounded like it sounded quite out of touch and like raz like kind of yank razzmatazz in a way that just read the room man that's not what people want here uh, so there's a, I put a lot on the table there. Just give me your take on, on Tuchel first, and then we can maybe move sideways to, to Bowley and what you make of him. I mean, 
no denying that Thomas Tuchel came when he came in and they had that run to win in the Champions League and you watched them play, the way they were organised, the way they gave nothing away, you generally had that feeling that, wow, this team's never going to lose a game. They looked so strong, they were so well organised. Mm. Uh, then he convinced himself that, that Romelu Lukaku would improve the team and then everything has gone a bit backwards ever since then. And you can't deny that for quite a while they haven't played particularly well. Uh, they found it really difficult to get some kind of attacking structure into their play. Uh, has he lost his dressing room? I really don't know. Uh, I would be amazed if, if he has because he's quite a bright boy. There were some issues with his, with his, with his private life, but I'm not sure that's big enough. But I do think that this was a bigger picture thing. This was a kind of an American guy coming in and going, we're going to do all these things now. Now, if the guy's crazy enough to suggest all the things we've heard over the next last 24 hours, you can only imagine what he's putting towards so much soccer. You have a football club, Trevor, and you have loads of different departments. Yeah. You have departments, you have the ticket department, you have the stadium tours and, and, and all sorts of departments. And then you have the football department. And the one department at a football club that's isolated on their own is the football department, isn't it? That's kind of where you keep everybody away from and go, listen, no, we need, we need our own space. We need our own piece to do our work. And I can imagine this guy coming in and going, you know, we need to be doing more of this. We need to be more open. We need to allow people maybe even sponsors or fans into the trip, whatever. And you can imagine Thomas Tuchel going, no, 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 no. And also this thing about Thomas Tuchel is very, very intelligent. And he's a great face of anything. But you have to remember that he has to do his own job before he can do anything else. And that's the one thing that worries me about Graham Potter. Is Graham Potter ready to go into Chelsea and become the face of Chelsea? Because I think that's what the manager is after. You know, he's after somebody's... Like Jurgen Klopp is the face of Liverpool, isn't it? But Jurgen Klopp is just a freak of nature, isn't it? Because of his personality. Uh, and that was the one thing that Thomas Tuchel said, I'm not prepared to become part of this circus. And I think subsequently then, it's just one of those where the owner had gone, he's not for me. This guy is not who I want. You know, my, 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 my dreams about this football club is these. And this guy, I'm not saying he can't bring him, but he won't. He's not prepared to compromise. So I worry a little bit about Graham Potter having to go in and becoming almost the face of Chelsea. I've been saying for years, champion, why doesn't somebody give Graham Potter a chance? Well, they have now. And because somebody have, I can also find reasons why I'm thinking, whew, it's hard to walk into dressing room like Chelsea's as Graham Potter. Because dressing rooms are brutal, aren't they? Brutal they are. And they'll go, who's this guy? What's he ever done? What's he going to show us? What's he going to tell us? What's he going to teach us, isn't it? It's going to be a steep learning curve for him. And there's only one thing that will make that transition smooth, and that's winning football matches. You know, and that's the big challenge for him, isn't it? He has to win football matches. Do you, do you think from what you've seen of what he's done so far, his, his time at Brighton, which seems to have impressed so, so many people so much, um, and I, I, I don't profess to fully understanding the height of the praise that he's gotten because perhaps I don't fully understand the amount of innovation he brought to the team or whatever. Perhaps I, I'm not close enough to the case. Um, but on your own assessment of him, do you think he has enough about him? Uh, it, dressing room aside, and that's a massive issue. You're right to flag that. It's huge. That's, it's, it's bloody huge because if that doesn't work, nothing will work. But Assuming there's a level of acceptance, do do you think he actually has what it takes to operate at that higher echelon, based on what you've seen so far? I think it's a difficult question, Trevor, because it's 
it's almost impossible to walk into dressing and impress players by some of the ideas because they've seen it all, haven't they? You know, every football club has everything. You can't go in and then introduce them to a new diet because everybody eats the same now, don't they? You can't introduce them to new training drills because they've seen it all, haven't they? Uh, so it, 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 it almost becomes, as much as it's a group, it becomes an individual thing, isn't it, where players will judge them on what do I think, where do I think my benefits are from this, this manager, isn't it? So has he got enough? He's finished, I think, 16th, 15th and 9th with Brighton. No cup runs to speak of. So it is a bit like, it's okay to lose games, isn't it? But he's, he's not in that environment anymore, is he? He's not in that environment <laughs> where it's okay to lose games. You know, he's not in that environment where you go, I, I think they find it really difficult to win at home. You know, can you imagine playing six, seven home games at Stamford Bridge without winning? He's found it really difficult, his team to score goals. But all them things are not acceptable anymore, are they? He has to win games home and away. He has to make sure that the team starts scoring goals. Playing good football is not enough. The only thing I will say, I think the praise for what the job he's done, I can live with that. I think the only way he gets too much praise is in the uh, buying of the players, the recruitment. I think he, I think players, people are too busy crediting him with buying the players. And I know that's, that's not a fact that he does not buy the players. You know, they have a whole analytical team in behind and one of them is his guy that he's took with him uh, to Chelsea, but also the owner, Tony Bloom, uh, and the previous uh, director of football, Dan Asworth, has now gone to Newcastle and now got Dave Weir, the former Scottish international used to play for, for Everton, and now got him in that role. Isn't so, so that's the one thing where I don't think he deserves the credit he's been given for the recruitment of the players. Beyond that, I think it's, 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 it's fair enough. And I think he was... He was due this chance, but it's a big chance, isn't it? Because Chelsea, and I don't think Chelsea's about to change with this guy in, in, in terms of the moment we lose faith in the manager, we move him on. You know, there's, there's no second chances at Chelsea. It's very much a, a sort of a winning machine, and they've always been prepared to make expensive decisions for the good of sporting success. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a fascinating one to watch, and I look forward to watching it with you. Um, just to finish up on the topic, I I assume Thomas Tuchel will not be out of work for long. He's a guy who has a ridiculous CV at this point. I'm just wondering, has he also now at this point sort of painted himself a little bit into a corner as one of those guys who might be difficult? Um, because that can take hold uh, and it just might narrow down the opportunities available to you if you're cast in that category. There'll always be someone who will want to take him on board. But I wonder if those opportunities will be slightly limited now if he if he is developing uh, this reputation as being par- partially difficult to work with. Now, uh, look, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. And I heard stories that uh, Todd Bowley and his mate went to him with a four-four-three formation. There, nothing wrong so with that, Trevor. Like... That might just give him a So, so I can understand the lad getting disillusioned and whatever. But just a final word down on on on, on Tommy Tuchel. What do you reckon his prospects are now? As he is he in any way damaged now by this, uh, or does he walk away with a European Cup and the CV? So who cares? 
I think the fact that Todd Bowley's decided to come out this week and say what he did completely puts Thomas Tuchel in the clear. He's only got a punch of that interview and go, listen, this is the guy I was dealing with. This is this is what I had to deal with. I'm better out of it. I do, however, think that super clubs, you know, and Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, PSG, where he's been, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, I, I don't think they're they're looking for a Thomas Tuchel anymore. He might have a little bit of a step down at a real ambitious club. There's no doubt he's a good coach. And he will come again. But I'm not sure he's going to get one of the big. I mean, he's just had two massive jobs, actually, with PSG and, 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 and Chelsea. And I also think probably he's thinking, do I need all this again? You know, when you can go and work. I mean, I thought when, they, when Leipzig sacked their manager last week, I thought, and Thomas had just been sacked at Chelsea, I thought there's a perfect opportunity for him. But uh, they picked somebody before they could get him in it. But He'll be back. There's no doubt about that. And he'll do well again. You know, we're going to have our sort of return to talking about other clubs and other things because obviously we have this long layoff where Liverpool are not playing. So we'll be back to that situation where a good chunk of our show is looking around and discussing other options. I do very much enjoy that because you know what that is an indicator of, Jan, that everything is going okay for us because we don't feel we need to spend the full hour uh, discussing what the hell has happened and why the wheels are coming off. So I do appreciate the fact that you are happy to go around all those different topics with me. So for another show, my friend, thanks very much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure the subscribers enjoy the break if that's possible. What's a bit international football, get an idea of who's going to win the World Cup. And then we'll be back in, uh, in October for what's going to be a busy, busy seven weeks. Yeah, and we'll try and fit one in for you folks as well, where maybe you can get some questions to Jan too. So that might be a way of filling in the space and getting you some content as well and getting you some Yan interiors. So for another show, I want to thank Yan on behalf of the channel and myself. I will be back with you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.